you're in, but I think we're on, week, this is week three, I think. Am I right? First, yeah? Week three, and last week, breakdowns. It was beautiful. People sharing, people spilling, people getting prayed for, people getting healed. It was amazing already, and we're only in the second week of groups. Can't ask for more than that. Amen? God's doing something. So in the main house, there will always be a good word if you don't sign up for small groups. Um, and we're going to continue the series on identity. And I'm telling you, church, that this is a series that could go on and on and on. Sooner or later, Randy and I talked the other night, we said we're going to have to stop sooner or later. But it's so good because it just doesn't stop. So let's go ahead and pray before we get started, and then we'll get right into the word. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together as your church. Father, that we can come and learn with one another. But Father, we ask that you open our spiritual ears. God, that you open our spiritual eyes. God, that we can see and hear and retain what is being said tonight. Father, that it would go into our heart and our mind. And Father, begin to change our soul. Lord, and let our soul begin to line up with what our spirit already knows. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So some of you might not know that my name is Nicole Dosick before it was a Waters. So Pastor Dosick is my father. And there are certain attributes that because I am a Dosick by DNA, there are certain attributes I carry, and I'm just going to be honest, some are good and some are bad. Amen. <laughs> I'm not asking for comments from the front row. Sorry. But, but if you've seen a dosic, you have seen our nose. If you, I'm just saying, I wondered why, but I'm reminded of Psalms 139 that says, he knew me in my mother's womb and made every intricate part, and he said that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? So I'm just going to let that roll on. But if you put a group of dosics in a room, they will be loud, obnoxious, they're know-it-alls, they're opinionated, they're argumentative. There's a lot of bad attributes that as a family, if you put us together, we all possess. In fact, I think we emptied an emergency room waiting room when we were there with dad in Kettering, and I think people were leaving by the droves like, oh my gosh, these people are weird. And they were running out of the emergency room, waiting room. And I realized at that moment, oh yeah, there's like five to seven dosics in this room. It's a little aggressive, it can be loud. But what I'm trying to say is that when I was born, I didn't have to try to be a dosic. I didn't have to go get my nose altered to be one. I didn't have to come up with opinions so that I could fit in. It just came out of me because it was natural behavior because of whose I was. You and I, when we are born into the kingdom of God, and we are forgiven of our sins and washed clean. We now are the sons and daughters of God. And that identity, that spiritual DNA begins to bubble up and demands a place to come out. See, it doesn't matter. Sometimes I don't want to be opinionated and you'll see me. And sometimes I have on my hand, it says quiet. 
There's a reason I write quiet on my hand because I know my DNA and my natural attribute is to give you an opinion about everything at all times. But that's not always the best thing to do in a situation. You and I have the identity of Christ. This is who we are because Christ is the son of God. He was sent here on this earth so that you and I can watch what's happening and see him respond. He never had to try to be the son of God. He was the son of God. And some of us need to just stop trying to be something that we're not and just sit in the identity of whose we are. You and I are sons and daughters of the most high God. And yes, it's good to try to better yourself, but there is nothing that you can do to become good enough that you can become a son or daughter. There comes a point that you just got to say, I am because he says I am. He died on Calvary for me, whether I deserved it, whether I earned it, I didn't do anything. He just said, I'm going to do it for you. And I became his daughter. Pastor Randy was talking last week. He landed us right on the fruit of the spirit. And he was referencing a garden that when we become believers and we surrender our lives to God, that the fruit of the spirit of the living God, not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Let's not get this confused. The Holy Spirit has his own set of attributes and who he is. We're not growing his attributes in our life. These are yours. This is your kindness. This is your goodness. This is your faithfulness. And you're responsible for these in your life. You're responsible when you get saved, they all come in seed form. These little tiny pieces of seed in you. And the whole, the spirit of God is now in you and he's correcting you and he's directing you and he's teaching you. And as long as you remain the heart with a soil that is pliable, that something can grow. As long as your heart is in the right place, they automatically begin to grow. You don't have to wake up in the morning and say, oh, I want love to grow. I want love to grow today. Lord, let love grow. Let love grow. Let patience grow. You know what? It's just going to happen. And I'm going to suggest something. Don't ever pray for more patience. One of the most dangerous prayers I think you could ever pray is, oh, Lord, make me more patient. I don't, I didn't say that, Lord. I was using that as an example. Please blot that out. Don't let that be heard. I'm saying that in the believer's life, the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of of the recreated human spirit. The condition of the heart, your mind together make this soul which is lining up with who God says you are. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And with the right conditions, these seeds begin to grow. When someone looks at us, there should be attributes, not of ourselves, but attributes of the living God. There should be evidence inside of you that says you belong to God. 
People should be able to see you and say, you know what? I don't know what's different about them, but I like them. You want to know why? Because they're attracted to the spirit of God inside of you. If he be lifted up, all men would be drawn unto him. You know what? When you lift him up by living like Christ in front of people, people want to be like you. You've ever heard that old saying, let's be like Mike. It was like a be like Michael Jordan thing. People want to be like Christ. They want to be good. They want to be faithful. They want to be full of peace and joy and do the things that Christ did because he was such an amazing example. The fruit, if you write anything down tonight, these next three points are something that you should write. The fruit is the voice or the proof of our conversion. Without it, there's no proof that you've been saved. Where's the difference? Pastor Randy brought up last week that pastor was in the factory, that a man had been witnessing to him week after week after week, and he was a, a Baptist. I thought he was a pastor. A Baptist pastor. And literally something happened on one of the presses there at work. And my dad's finger got slammed. And all of a sudden out of his mouth said, Jesus. And he said, oh, I know you're saved now. Why? Because the fruit of the fruit of the spirit came out of my father instead of his old man's nature. His conversion was real. And there was proof in his fruit, there was proof that came out of his mouth in the midst of a struggle. In the midst of a struggle, when you're squeezed, what happens? What comes out of you when struggle comes? Last time I checked, if I wanted orange juice, I could take an orange, I roll mine before I squeeze it, cut a little square in the top, my mom taught me. I squeeze it and I literally suck it right out of the orange. But if I was to turn that upside down and squeeze it into a glass, cherry juice wouldn't come out of that. Peach juice wouldn't come out. It's an orange. If we're the children of God, then when life circumstances comes to you and I, when things get tough with our finances, when things get rough with relationships in our family, when things get tough at work and buddy, that boss is just nagging the snot out of you and you think you're doing everything right. You're trying to make it work and pressures and trial and tribulation comes and puts pressure on you. What comes out? Is it love? Is it long suffering and patience? <laughs> oh, I'm going to be honest, Sharon, shaking her head like, nope, it sure isn't. You know what, Sharon? Sometimes it isn't with me either. We got some work to do, right? The fruit of the Spirit identifies who you are. Who you are in Christ. And last, the fruit declares that you are a Christian. <laughs> Here's the, the hard part. One who crucifies the flesh and lives holy. <laughs> That's the hard one. Crucifies the flesh. Remember those family attributes? Mm -hmm. That's what we really want to live in. Let's start in Matthew, the seventh chapter, 15 through 19. Here's what it says today. It says, watch out for false prophets. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, this was specifically speaking about false prophets. But later on, I'm going to show you where we also are to bear fruit. And when we are, it says, so this is contingent to us as well. The NLT says literally that just as you identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. So here's what I'm saying to you. The world is watching your actions. They're not listening to just what comes out of your mouth. Like, oh, I'm a Christian. You should be one too. They're watching if you live like Christ. Amen? So, so, now with that being said, fruit grows and it's developed in our lives as individuals in different ways, at different rates. Some of it has to do with our past, our personalities. Some of us in here tonight, I'm going to be honest with you, this is not, well, maybe not me. Some of us are really, really achievers, achiever mind, goal setters. We just cut in there and get into it. If we're going to grow, we're going to grow. And we just go all in, right? And then there's some of us that are perfectionist. There's aggressive people. There's people that are passionate about change. But there's other people that are processors. They take time. They sit in something. And then all of a sudden, it won't look like there's much growth at all. And then all of a sudden, they'll just go, boom. And then there they are. They're grown. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. They need time to think about it. There's some people that have been damaged by their past. And they're struggling wrapping their mind around this. And I'm here to say tonight that we have to be really cautious with these people because it's very easy to become very self-righteous in our growth as a Christian, looking at others whose fruit might not be all the way there yet. And all we do is go, that needs a thing. Well, you know what? Every time you point at someone else, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. I just want to remind you of that. So careful because self-righteousness is not your identity. That is not who you are. That's not the right way we go about this. And I'm not saying that we accept sinful nature. What I'm saying is, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up eight. What I'm saying is we walk with people along the way. We help, we nurture, we pick up, we help them get to where they're getting to go. Let's go to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. I got a lot of scripture tonight, and I'm going to turn as fast as I can if, if, you can, if you can keep up. If not, I'm just going to keep going by the, by the screen. It says, his divine power has huh, given us everything. Someone say everything. We need for a godly life 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, through his great and precious promises, you may participate in the divine nature. The divine nature, okay? Here's what it says, may participate, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See, the fruit that's in you is in seed form. It can grow. It may grow. <laughs> Did you get that in our last verse? If we apply the great and precious promises from the word to our life. See, the precious promises through the work of the Holy Spirit is what changes our renewed spirit, our earthly person into what the spirit of God is turning us into. And then we begin to look more like him. But we don't get to use our own devices. We don't get to write down scorecards that say, love better today. Try, try, try to love more people. Oh, I love you. I love you. I, no, that's not what it says. See, we're given strict instruction on what love looks like in the scripture. And if we'll apply the way God sees love to our life, then love will grow in our life. But if we apply man's prescription, it won't grow at the pace it's supposed to grow. So let's look at Galatians 5, through 26. This is where Pastor Randy dropped us off last week. And we're going to pick up right there. And here's what it says. Oh, my pages are sticking together. Hmm, I don't like that. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I'm going to start in the 19th chapter. I'm just, wait a minute. No, no, no. Okay. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong in Christ Jesus, to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Hmm. There's a whole lot in there, but tonight, because of time, I literally want, I think we have time, we are going to go through all nine of them. Because not often are the fruit of the Spirit what we think in our earthly minds that they are. We're going to prove by scripture what each of these are. And it might take a time to just keep your pace with me. It'll be fine. So it is our nature. We're going to start with the first one to love. And the opposite of love is hate. So we know our identity is not hating anyone. Amen. Amen? Okay. So when, when you say certain things, watch your mouth because that's not who you are. Love is a selfish love, a selfless love, a way in which you and I consider others. Sharon, I consider your feelings and how it would make you feel the way I talk, the way a gift I would give you, what I would talk about you. 
I would never say anything negative about you because I love you with a selfless love. A selfish love would say negative things and promote myself over you. But because I love you, I want to consider how what I would say and do would make someone else feel. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. In today's world, that doesn't sit well. Because you get to do whatever makes you feel good. That's what they tell us, isn't it? You do you, I'll do me. That's what they say. Well, you know what? You do you, and I'll do what Christ asked me to do for you. That's the way this looks when you put on the identity of Christ. Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might win some. Now, by all means, that doesn't mean you become unholy because the people you're around are unholy so that you might win some. That's not the way that works. When you love people, here's the catch. You expect nothing in return. Nothing in return. See, Christ was our example. He went to Calvary and never asked you to love him back. He said, I first loved you. And here's my plan. If you want it, believe and confess. But you and I still have free will today, amen? We get to choose. He expected nothing else in return. 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven. Andrew, if you go there. It says, love is patient. Here's your scripture. If you're dealing with love, this, if you're struggling with love and that being your identity and hate is in your heart for something, someone, or a situation, here's the answer. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it is not proud. <laughs> it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Oh, and this one's bad. It keeps no record of wrongs. How many of you have a mental record book in your mind? <laughs> Yet some personalities keep more records. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Whew. There's your scriptures. If you are dealing with the nature of hate, that is not who you were created to be. This is who you are. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Always. If someone would come up to me and say, you wouldn't believe what I heard about Sister Sharon at her job. Do you know what she does? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't talk about a sister in the Lord like that. You want to know why I know that? Because I know the word and it says that love protects. It says love always protects. Jesus never hears an accusation against you from the enemy. Never. He demands what he did at Calvary and shuts the accuser up for you and I. It is not our nature or our identity to have a lack of confidence. We are to have the identity of joy. Now, this joy isn't an emotion. Oh, I'm just having... That's not what joy is. Joy is an inner knowing, a confidence, because you know what God says in his written word about every situation in your life. And you just have a knowing, a confidence that no matter where you are, no matter what's happening, it's all going to be all right. 
And because of that, you can rest and rely upon him. James talks about joy and patience. He says, here's, we're going to do, it says, count it all joy when you face trial and tribulation. Well, why would we do that? Because we know who our God is in the midst of trial and the midst of struggle. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What? What? How do you put all those together? Because we know what the word is saying. This is that scripture I read before about his great and precious promises. If you struggle having joy in the midst of your situation and you're not content where you are, it's because you're not trusting the outcome of what God's already told you would happen. You know what that means? You got to put your nose in the Bible a little bit longer. Study, look a little harder, meditate on his scriptures day and night. The truth will come to you. It's not an emotion. It's a confidence in spite of our outward circumstances. About a year ago, we were on a girl's trip in Aruba. And when I go to Aruba, it's a really good time, especially on the girl's trip, because I get to get up when I want, get to go to bed when I want. There's no one to take care of. And it's just a really good Jesus time, too you know, plus fun. But when I got up in the morning, I was in my prayer time and I heard the Lord say, you need to start seeking peace and joy. What? What? So I started to look up what I was looking for. What? I think I have peace. He said, when you struggle, do you have peace? And I started just thinking and looking and I just started literally began speaking scriptures about it. And you know what? I just felt that there was a storm that was going to ensue in the future and that God was preparing my heart to be at rest and to be able to walk in peace, to be able to have joy, the confidence, the inner knowing of who God is in the midst of the situation that it was going to be all right. And what did we just walk through? A year and four months later, who would have known? Who would have known that we would have went through the situation that we went through. But you know what? There was complete peace in that storm. I'm not telling you that there wasn't days that things were ruffled, that there were days that we were shook. I'm not telling you that there wasn't things that doctors said that we were having to deal with by faith. What I'm saying is that the majority of the time walking through the storm, there was a peace that passed all understanding. It made zero sense to look at a doctor who told you, you don't understand, your dad is very, very sick and he's probably going to die. I said, no, I understand exactly what you're telling me. And she said, no, honey, I don't think you do. As if I'm in denial. I said, what I hear you saying is that my dad is very sick. And that you, as a doctor, have done all you can do. But now it's our time to put him in the Savior's hand and to see what our God can do. And it's a good thing that we know a miracle-working God, and he gives out miracles free every day. A peace that passed all understanding, said Philippians, the fourth chapter. Hmm. It's our nature to not worry and fret. Worry is not your identity. Anxiety is not your identity. 
the peace that passes all understanding, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, that there's a calm in the midst of the storm because I know who my God is. Notice that the first three fruit that we just talked about are all personal expressions with God. They're this upward motion towards him, love, joy, and peace. You can only get them from him. That's it. The next three, hmm, these deal with our relationships. These are hard. These are hard. You know, relationships in this life, a lot of the trial and tribulation that we go through are because we don't know how to navigate properly through life's relationships. And we struggle because these next three fruit (laughs) are not present in our life. They are long-suffering. The NIV calls it forbearance or patience. I wrote here in big letters, capital, ugh. It is not our identity to be frustrated, aggravated, or irritated. Uh Oh yeah, this is for all you moms out there. Frustrated, aggravated, or irritated. Yep. In fact, you and I have the ability to endure hard things. Even though things are hard to get through, it's hard to wait on God and to do things his way It's in how you and I wait. Do we wait irritated? Do we wait aggravated? Are we aggressive to the Lord? You know what? I'm just sick of waiting. I'll tell you what I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And this is what your word says. Patience. Let patience have her perfect work in your life. I don't like it any more than you do. But if you need to be patient, that means you're enduring something. Hmm. Let's read what the scripture says we're enduring in Colossians. It says here, and I'm reading this one out of, oh no, not this one. Colossians 3, 12. Wait, I'm just going to read it from the screen, Andrew. There we go. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I can think of another scripture that says that we're to forgive seven times 70. Think that's long-suffering? Think that's a forbearance in relationships? Well, you've hurt me before and here I am again and you're doing the same thing again. Seven times 70. Seven times 70. Got to be patient with people. Patient with relationships. What if they don't get it as quick as you do? What if they're still dabbling in the things of the world? Patience, honey. Come out of that. I don't, I see you in the bar again on Friday night, sweetie. This is not the way you serve Jesus. Let me help you. Let's get some scriptures together. You've got this. You gave your life to Christ. Now let's repent and start over. Right? But no, you know what we do? You wouldn't believe I saw her in the bar again. I've told her 14 times about being in that same scene and she keeps going back, going back. 
Well, maybe she's got five generations of alcoholics in her line and you don't know it. And she's struggling with the spirit of addiction. And maybe she needs someone who will fast and prayer, pray over her and break the spirit of addiction over her life and lead her to the altar and walk with her seven times 70. Forbearance, patience. It's a relationship trait. You need the attribute to build relationship. Your nature is kindness. It is not your identity to be mean-spirited. Mean-spirited, aggressive in your nature, snappy. You know what? Stop it. Husband and wives, I love you. Just because you're comfortable with one another, you are not allowed to be mean-spirited to one another. You are to be kind. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 in the NLT. I'm reading this because I thought it was really good. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. Oh, here's a good one. Harsh words. You always do that. You'll never change. Am I speaking right down your alley? Listen, we've all been married. I understand what it looks like. Change in marriage is not always easy, but with the Holy Spirit's help, all things are possible. And slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What if Jesus looked at you and said, I'm so sick of you trying to change. You'll never change. What? You guys would think, well, well, that's not a guy. I, I don't even believe you're the savior of the world anymore. Because there's no love in him. There's no kindness. There's no gentleness. Did you see all those adverbs before we read that? Gentle, kind, humility. You know what? Kindness don't come by itself. It comes with other things, but it's your nature to be kind because you're in Christ. Your nature is goodness. Your identity is to do the right thing when people aren't watching. You don't wait for someone to turn their head and then do what's wrong. It is our identity that we choose right because it's the right thing to do and because that's what Jesus would do. He didn't wait until the lady that was going to be stoned was there and all of them, he said, well, you be the first one to throw the stone, whoever had sin in his life, whatever. And they all left and then they go, now let me tell you something. He said, go and sin no more. He was the same person in his home as he was at church. He was the same person when he corrected his children as he was when he showed up at school. Oh, yeah, we're here to drop off. You get in that car and shut up. I'm just being real. I'm being real. We've all had those moments. Let God do his work. Goodness is your identity. What do you do when no one's looking? 
It is moral excellence. Galatians 6, 10 tells us. Whew. We're getting through them, guys. We're getting through them. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I think that was a little bit of partial behavior. You're allowed to treat the people in the church. You're allowed to be a little bit gooder to them as you are to the world. But then that love one gets you on the first one. And then that love your neighbor scripture gets you. So maybe not, maybe not. You shouldn't be respecters of persons. But let me, let me read this to you. This was Randy. Pastor Randy found this last week and he told me about it when he knew I was doing this. And this is um, from Mr. Wesley. He's actually the founder of the Methodist Church. And this is what he said. This is a quote from him and it's so good. Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Wasn't that beautiful? Be good to one another. Be good to one another. Your nature is faithfulness. Your identity is not faithlessness or untrustworthy. See, we are a loyal people and we are dependable and we can be relied on. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You can depend on me. You need help? In the middle of the night, if I hear your phone call, that's a rough one at night. And that ringer just, I'm just dead. But if I hear it, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to be there for you because that's faithful. You can count on me in church because I'm faithful. I'm faithful to hear the word and I'm faithful to do the word. You can pretty much predetermine what Pastor Nicole is going to do in a situation because I'm faithful to the word. I'm faithful to God's promises that I know, that I know. If I don't know one and I'm not right, then I'll be corrected and I'll move on. But Romans, the third chapter, two through four, this is what it says about faithfulness. This is so good. Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. Did you hear this? The Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. Next. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's unfaithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human be a liar. As it is written so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. Do you realize that people, if you're unfaithful in certain situations, they'll look at you and go, well, then God must be unfaithful. If you're his sons and daughters, then I don't want to be like you. You ever heard that? Well, if you're the church, I don't want to be the church. See, the way we act, the way we speak, what we do is a reflection on our father. Your nature is gentleness. It's not your identity to say what you want, when you want, and when people are difficult. Some think this means that you're weak. Some means that you have to let people have their way. What it means is, with the Holy Spirit's help, in relationships, and in situations, that even though I don't like what you're saying, I can submit 
and hear you. I can hear what you're saying and not agree. I don't have to be right. I can be led by the Holy Spirit in a situation and not be demanding. Well, Holy Spirit, I think this is what, let me, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever watched the movie, The Host? Anybody ever seen it? Okay, a couple of you. So I'll just preface it real fast. Aliens came, it's probably on some sci-fi station, I don't know. Aliens came, they inhabited these people, but they had to have a host. The host was a live being. And when this being would literally die because of an apocalypse, then this host, what looked like this little amoeba, whatever, would live in the back of your neck. And then this host would begin to live its life through you, okay? So the, the host would be somebody, but the body would be somebody else. Stupid. The point of the matter is this. You couldn't go up to somebody. There, there was a whole bunch of people trying to save the world, right, from these amoebas. You couldn't just go up to somebody and be aggressive and cut out the back of their neck and rip the host out. It would become evil and strong and rooted in their life, and it could never be removed. But if you would lay them down gently and put your hand by the back of their neck, it would come out very gentle and just submit. Sometimes we as Christians are very aggressive in the way we talk, the way we speak, and what we want to happen in a situation. When if you would just shh, quiet yourself, be led by the Holy Spirit, he'll open a door for you to say what needs to be said in a kind, gentle, humble way. And it'll make a whole lot more difference than it would if you just said it the way you wanted to say it. Submitting to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work is everything. Matthew eleven twenty nine is the scripture that we have on gentleness. And here's what it says. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, this is Jesus, red letters, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's rest when the person around you is gentle and humble. There's peace. It's a good place to be. Your nature hmm, is self-control or temperance. Your identity is not to go hog wild in what fulfills our sensual appetites. You have self-restraint, according to Matthew 26, 53 and 52 and 53. Let's go there, Andrew. It says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. This is the disciple, I think it was Peter, that went to cut off the ear of one of the soldiers that had come to take Jesus for the cross and for the crucifixion. And Peter was mad because Peter thought that he knew better. Peter thought that he knew that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom and throw over the Roman Empire and become the new king. What Jesus really meant was he was going to go to the cross and become the king of the Jews and the king of our life. So Peter takes out his sword and goes to and cuts off one of the ears. He said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus was executing self-control. He was ready to go to the cross, but he was executing God's plan 
Peter thought he knew better God's plan. How many times have you and I stepped in front of what the Lord wanted us to do and done what was right for us? After going each, over each one of these, is there a place that you can identify needs change in your life? As I was preparing tonight and writing things down, I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right there, that's you. That could use some work. So I'm writing them down and I'm writing my scriptures down so that I can go back and I can begin to confess what the Lord says. And I need to do further study on them because I need to see all instances in the Bible where patience was truly executed. And I need to be, allow the Holy Spirit to grow and I need to prepare the right ground for it to grow. My prayer for you tonight is Colossians 1.10 and we're going to close with that. Here's what it says. If you'd like a little extra reading, I had John 15, 2 through 5. It's actually amazing. It talks about much fruit, more fruit, all that, but we don't have time to get into it tonight. But Colossians 1.10 says this. We content, actually 9.5. <laughs> we'll start at 9. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Stand to your feet tonight. Father, we just come before you tonight. And Lord, in reviewing these fruit tonight in our lives. Father, just show us, Lord, through this next season of our life, Father, of where we need to grow. Father, and what the Holy Spirit wants us, wants us to start walking in. And Father, equip us. Equip us, Lord. Father, I thank you that you'll bring people across our path to just nudge us in the right direction, to walk with us in the right way. Father, I thank you that those who are more mature in the faith would grab up some of those who are younger and begin to walk with them and teach them about love, peace, how to walk through a storm when, when it's all falling apart. Lord, I just thank you that we would learn to walk in our true identity. Father, that we would be the advertisement for you. God, that they would know us by our fruit, that they would look at us and say, those are his kids. Those are sons and daughters of the most high God. Father, that we would do good by your name. Father, that we would talk a good talk. Father, that we would walk like Christ walked, that we would move like Christ moved. And Father, we would be great examples. Father, help us. Help us to not live as unholy people, 
but help us to live a sanctified, consecrated, holy life before you that would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for sharing the word with tonight, God, and that you're doing a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. I love you guys. If there's any of you that are struggling and you would like prayer tonight, um, I will be up here and I would love to pray with you individually. Have a good night. We'll see you on Sunday where we continue our healing series.